when you understand a client's why, you now have a compass and you can help guide them and you can help them make decisions that motivate them and are important to them. And so I think this conversation of what's your purpose, what's what's your why, what does money do for you helps you then utilize money as the as the tool that it is. So that's just one thing of helping your clients discover and helping you know their why and your own why is really powerful in serving people to the best of your of your ability. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Stephen, welcome to the Better Wealth Show. I'm delighted to be here, Caleb. Thank you for having me. It is an honor to have you here. I, I want to give my audience a little bit of context because uh, I have the pleasure of interviewing a lot of incredible people on the show, and I'm really excited for our conversation because as the OG listeners know, I've, I've been impacted greatly by this guy named Simon Sinek. Start With Why was one of the first videos slash books that, I, that turned me on as it relates to how to communicate and how to interact with people. And I actually used the, the golden circle formula as I interacted with people and got really clear on why they did what they did and then reverse engineered that and, and said, okay, I need to help have mentors help me with X, Y, or Z so I can best help someone live out their why. Mm-hmm. I share this because uh, we got connected by a good uh, mutual friend of ours and uh, shout out to Brian and and it was just really evident in talking with you. Your your history was unbelievable to me. Your ability to communicate, um, and and one of the things is you have a very strong tie to to Simon himself. And then we started talking about wealth and intentional living. And wealth is a is not just money in a bank account, but it's a sum total of your time, your your relationships, your potential, your resources, and. I think our like 15 minute talk went an hour or something like that. And so it was one of those things where it's like, okay, should have recorded that. We didn't. Let's make Oops. this official. So with that, with that intro, man, welcome to the show. I, I would love to get a little bit of your context because I'm always fascinated in how people, you know, got to where they are. And then I know mm-hmm. that you're doing some incredible things. Uh, you got a lot of future best-selling books in your, in, in your future. And I'm just, I'm grateful to get you here I know this is not going to be the last time you're going to be on the show, but I'm just excited to see whatever we talk about. And, and I, I want to encourage the listener, um, what, what we talk about as it relates to your why, leadership, whatever, wherever, Stephen, you're going to go with this. Um, the, the reason I'm having you on is I, I've said this many, many, many times, you are your greatest asset. Your ability to think, communicate, show up, build relationships is your greatest asset. And I yep. find that very few people are developing that intentionally. And so, um, with that, man, welcome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for that awesome intro. Um, yeah, ignorance is bliss and we're not ignorant. So now we got to, now we got to do the work. Delighted to be here. I'm a huge, huge believer. I love that you equate wealth to all the things that you equated to. I mean, I, I love Seth Godin's definition of wealth is freedom and choice. Uh, that's how I, you know, define wealth, which is I have enough to have the freedom to choose and do the things that that fuel me, um, that serve me and others um, and my family and my friends. You know, I think that's a great definition of wealth. And I love that you built in relationships because um, we are nothing but the people around us and the communities that we have. And, and, and you know, life is worth sharing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, as human beings, we live a paradox, which is we're always individuals, parts of groups. And what's 
kept us around so long is that more often than not, we do what's in the best interest of the group as opposed to what's in our own best self-interest. And if we keep doing that, the group takes care of us, um, takes care of us. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know, I know, like, I know, like, I know all of my successes are a direct correlation of other people wanting to take risks on me. And so I've become obsessed on my life and career or what are the conditions that I'm creating to make it very easy for people to want to take risks on me, which could be a first customer or a new customer on a new product or someone choosing to join the team. You know, um, these are all risks, someone choosing to hire me, whatever it might be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I started my career out of business school on my first day on my first job, a thousand people were let go post-merger. And I went, all right, that's how it's going to be. Um, and it took me probably about five, six months to realize there was a problem. I felt unmotivated. And the first person I made wrong was me. I'm like, you know, every decision I've made in my life up until that point in my early 20s had worked out. And this is the first time I felt unmotivated. Um, and for so many people who have had this experience where you graduate from high school or college or whatever it might be, and you're very much in this like curriculum model where it's like a staircase and you climb and you know what you need to do to get to the next level. And then all of a sudden you enter this, this into this nebulous thing called career. And instead of being on this very clear staircase model, you're now in a spiraling parking garage. Like you're in the midst of a, a Seinfeld episode being like P7. I was just on P11. Like what, what's going on and where am I? Um, and so I felt lost. I was introduced to Simon Sinek's work from a mentor. This would have been 2010. So it was very early days in, in Simon's work on the Golden Circle and starting with why. And I became like obsessed. I went to... Um, I went to hear Malcolm Gladwell speak at a conference and Simon spoke just before him. Didn't even know he was going to be at the conference. Has that for, for serendipity. And I was already drawing, you know, golden circles on napkins and explain, explaining why, how, what to anyone who would listen. Um, and totally right time, right place, confluence of events. I joined Simon's team in 2011. Uh, I was the fourth person to join his team, started answering fan email, did the Start With Why podcast. Um, and then just bit by bit, uh, you know, I was very much ready to do the things that I wanted to do without, uh, without, uh, without necessarily, like, I hate the term paying my dues. Um, I, but they needed to trust me and they needed to know that I was doing it for the right reasons, uh, not for me, but of service and bit by bit, uh, after a couple of years, some trust built and they gave me more responsibility and, I started answering, I started doing um, Simon's social media for him. The first person outside of him to do his social, did the chief of staff role, which was amazing, um, did head of product development and training, led our speakers and trainers. Um, and now I still do work with Simon as, as what we call an, an, an igniter, um, which is I go and I share his concepts from Start With Why, Leaders Eat Last, The Infinite Game, uh, in our public classroom with, with private clients as well, which I love doing. I believe in the message. I love the content and the message so much of helping to create a more inspired, safe, and fulfilled world. So I've been working with Simon for the past 10 years, which has been quite a ride. Um, and through this experience and journey, I've explored some of my own ideas and work as well. Uh, and I'm working on a book right now with the working title of Speak Up Culture, Why Leaders Need to Truly Listen If They Want People or Others to Step Up. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess, a long-winded intro. Um, but yeah, well, and yeah, 
Yeah, I I love it, man. And there's so many there's so many areas that we could pivot. <laughs> so, like yeah. I I just I got emotional. And another thing, <laughs> some of the some of the people that believed in you early on, the our first couple clients, the people that believed in me when I worked at the bank, I am just so grateful for. And I I pretty sure I I share it overshare the the early mentors that I had people that took a chance. I'm just so grateful from the bottom of my heart because they did have a lot more trust and a lot less reasons to trust me. Mm. And and so uh, if any of you guys are listening, thank you. But I, I very much uh, resonate with that. Um, I'm curious, um, before we jump into some of the things that you're doing, um, sure. you've represented Simon and you know you've worked by his side for 10 plus years. Um, what are some of the key concepts that you've learned from a standpoint of like, man, this has translated powerfully in my life, or when I shared this on stage, people mm. got it, or some like epiphany moments that you had from just his work and how he communicates. Yeah. I mean, he, so Simon has been a great friend and mentor to me personally, so he's taught me lots. The two things that stand out are talk less, say more, and show up to serve. So Simon is just a master communicator. I mean, the the dude speaks as if he's in essay form all the time. <laughs> like it's amazing. He's like, all right, let me start with a thesis. Let me now tell you where I got to got, you know, let me take you on the learning journey. So as how I can prove that thesis, like he just speaks in a very organized and logical manner. Uh, and for someone who's extroverted and for someone who uh, speaks to think, uh, and even in my writing, he's taught me to try to communicate the message with as few words as possible. And it's better to give three quarters of an answer than an answer and a half. Um, so both in speaking as, and you, you have, you can get away with it more when you speak than when you write. Um, but uh, as I'm, as I'm writing more and more, I look at, okay, I can take those four words out. That's unnecessary. Cause I often write the way I speak. Um, so that's one. And then the, the other is, um, I mean, Simon isn't a PhD. He doesn't have tons of credentials for his for his work. Um, uh, he has a great passion for it, and so he's taught he's taught us the people who who represent him and his message that um, uh, one the stimulus for nervousness and excitement are the same things. So we can actually train our brains that when we're nervous, we can actually find reason to be excited right? Because we feel alive. Um, uh, and what he has taught us is that before he gives a talk, before we do anything, a podcast like 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 this, a big meeting, anything, um, I utter, show up to serve, show up to serve, show up to serve. It's not about me. It's about others. Show up to serve, help. Um, and when we speak, our, our rules are, we're only allowed to talk about things we care about and things that we know. And care is more important than know. Um, you know, you, you can say, I'm really passionate about this. I'm just learning about it. I may not get all the facts, right, but let me, let me tell you what's showing up here. Um, so those are a few things that Simon personally has, has taught me and I'm forever grateful for him teaching me those things. That's, that's awesome, man. I, I think do, do those and live those principles out very, very much so. And it's interesting. And this is the last thing I'll say about Simon and then we can move on. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. I would listen to his podcast interviews that he would give. I would listen to his talk. Um, and I would listen to even some some other things that he was involved in and try to learn to speak like him because there was something about how he spoke that mm. was very captivating. 
and um, it very much was like he was very knowledgeable, but but I would say the thing that very much he very much communicated is passion. He's very passionate, but but in a way where it's like he was also very competent. So it was like he was like he shared and communicated passion through competency and did it and it did so in just a very powerful way. And so it was it was interesting. There's there's a few people, uh, Andy Stanley's another one, where I'll like listen to. And I won't even listen to what they're saying. I'll like listen to how they speak because I myself want to become a more captivating, competent, com- you know, speaker. Mm-hmm. And and so it's very interesting what you said about showing up to serve and the same, you know, nervousness and excitement being being the same. Um, what was that? The same emotion? It's the same. the The same physical experience. Yeah. Wow. So your your palms sweat. Your your heart beats quicker. You know, it's the same. It's the same physical stimulus. So cool. Um. Yeah. So yeah. cool. Yeah. Thank, the, thank the, yeah. And the the other thing I'll just say on that is, um, well, I think it's really valuable to to study people who speak in ways that captivate you. It's really important for you and everyone to do it in their own unique way because, you know, in time it will become exhausting if you speak like Simon or speak like Andy Stanley or speak like Oprah or Adele or whoever it might be. We need to find our, our own authentic way and use them as, as foils, use them as, as, as worthy, worthy players. Um, Because it's actually, there's, there's evidence that proves that you build more trust if you're actually fallible than if you're perfect. Yeah. Um, cause if you're perfect, people are like, they're, they're playing me, but if you're accessible and human and authentic, you actually build more trust. Um, uh, I, I think, um, uh, Adam Grant has done some great research and, and has shared some great research on this as well. Yeah. Um, and he, and he himself, Adam Grant, like he's a dork and he admits it, but yeah. like his care and his knowledge shines yeah. through and he does it. Like he's not pretending to be anyone other than like the the dorky dweeb he is. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think so many people gravitate towards him and how he communicates. Um, because you know he's only doing it because he believes in it. Talk about powerful messages. Um, his books have just changed the way that I think. And just yeah, it, it's it's very cool. And I, I very much appreciate that because um being authentic, being you. Um, is way more important than trying to model me or model Simon or model other people. So let, let's talk about what you're up to in the world. One thing I, I know to be true is you think in frameworks. Um, you're, you're, you have a lot, of, you're a thought leader in a lot of areas. So, so let's take a step back. Let's go mm. back to wealth. I, I'm a big fan of people understanding that they are their greatest asset. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it would be a shame in life to to get to the end of the li- your life and realize that you um, were living a, a fraction of your potential. Yeah. Um, and and so let let's just let's just talk about that because this is this is the better wealth show, and and I want people to live more intentionally. I, w- I want them to go after it. But I've found that if you're not embracing who you are and you're not maximizing that, I don't care what what we do. I, we could talk about strategies and tactics and investing all day long, but if you're living to a fraction of who you are, it's like, okay, what's the point? Yeah. So a few things flood to me, which is fantastic. So, I mean, one, a lot of wealth advisors and people who work in wealth management love Simon's work on the why. And I know advisors, and I, maybe you've done this as well. I think you have done this when we first spoke that you 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 did this, is when you understand a client's why, 
you now have a compass and you can help guide them and you can help them make decisions that motivate them and are important to them. And so I think this conversation of what's your purpose, what's what's your why, what does money do for you helps you then utilize money as the as the tool that it is. So that's just one thing of helping no, helping your clients discover and helping you know their why and your own why is really powerful in serving people to the best of your of your ability. And the greatest way to create create loyalty is service and the best way to create more great customers is through service and and loyalty. So there's just a couple comments there. The funny thing I find about potential and I often hear sometimes people describing their purpose as, as, you know, help people reach their full potential. Well, I have news for you. As a, as a species, we're quite remarkable and we aren't born with this bucket. That's like Caleb potential. And then like, once you fill the bucket, it's like, Hey, like great job. Like you beat the video game. Like you're good. You know, from the movie spinal tap, this one goes to 11. Like the, the thing I find fascinating about human beings is that we have infinite potential. Yeah. Like, we'll reach a peak of the peak of the mountain. And then we're like, all right, what more? Like yeah. that's part of our nature, which is fantastic and inspiring to me. Um, so one, just this notion of, of infinite potential. And when you say people are their greatest asset, it makes me think of growth mindset. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm really attracted to two types of people, people who have growth mindset and people who have humility. So, um, and I think there's a common link and the common link is, People who have a growth mindset and people who have humility, instead of playing the blame game and pointing their fingers at others or the world around them, or why is everyone out to get me, or why is my life so hard, they they point to themselves and say, "What's in my control? And what can I do about it?" Um, you know, we we can't have control over the lot in life that we've been handed, but we have control over how we respond and the yeah. relationships that 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 we that we build. Um, and the things that we choose to pursue and the, and the people we choose to surround ourselves with. Um, so yeah, those are a few ideas there just on the topic of, of wealth. So I know that you're a proud father and you've experienced a lot of uh, companies and you've coached a lot of people talk about failure and people's mindset around failure, because this is one of the things when I, when I left the bank, I had to look myself in the mirror and and come to grips with some of my deepest root fears, which was mm-hmm. really funny if I if I speak them out. It was like I was afraid of poverty. I was never gonna be on the streets. I had a family, friends, people like people that loved me. So I, it was like one of those things where when I really got deep, I was like actually afraid of the people that I loved the most and what they thought of me mm-hmm. and being quote unquote a failure. And so I had to come to grips with like, okay, I identify that. And then, and then I went back to, I think it was a TED talk or something that I heard in, in the Harvard studies of like the people, the number one thing that people regretted was not taking risk. And like, and so all these things, that, and I'm like 21 years old and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this because I don't want to live a life of, of regret. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting to me as I talk to people, I feel like a lot of people when it comes to their money, it comes to their life, they're just like pushing down they're pushing down certain emotions. They're pushing down that. And they're living, they're like a shell of themselves. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm articulating this well, but it's just something that I'm like intuitively experiencing. And what I'm finding is like, we got to do, like we got to dig deeper before we like uh, build, you know, you we got to excavate before we elevate in a sense. Uh, and I got that term from Andy Wyatt 
Um, and it's just like, there's just a lot of, of, of life work that needs to be done. Talk about that and talk about like in your experience, being on the road, working, coaching, speaking, like, does any of what I'm saying resonate? And do you have any like questions or epiphanies through that journey? I mean, I think change can be hard, you know, and when people grow all of a sudden relationships that used to serve them no longer do, and they need to, uh, or there's an opportunity to change those relationships or, or walk away. What's the Margaret Mead quote that, uh, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we're powerful beyond our own belief, like it, which, which requires growth and change, which can be a rewiring and which can be hard. Um, again, which means we might say yes to some relationships and no to others. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm hitting it on, on the, on the head there, but, uh, what do you think the number one thing that's holding people back to living an intentional life? Probably I would say, um, uh, mindset and community. So, I, I'm a believer that our two, the two most powerful human forces that every single human being has access to is hope and each other. So hope is the belief that tomorrow can be better. Hope is the belief that there's light at the end of the tunnel, even if you can't see it yet. Yeah. If, if you lose the ability to, ha- to, to know that there's hope or believe that there's hope, th- you might lose the will to live. Um, which means we need to phone a friend or find reason to to feel hopeful again. And hope is power. I mean, if you want evidence of this, read Viktor Frankl's work on man's search for meaning. Um, he literally survived Auschwitz and and the and the Holocaust because he had work he wanted to share with the world called called logotherapy, and he wanted to see his wife and his daughter again. That's what kept him going. So hope, and then each other. So I have a great, great friend. He's like my leadership dad buddy. His name is Matt. We speak probably every week. And if we don't speak, we're texting. Um, And we're like accountability buddies. Um, And so I could tell you tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up before my kids wake up. 5.13 a.m. I'm going to go for a run. Yeah. Like I give up on myself multiple times in a day. I'm very good at it. But if I text my buddy Matt and I'm like, 515 run, you want to do it? And if he goes, yeah, I'm no longer doing it for me. I'm doing it for him. Right. Because now if I don't go, I'm leaving him stranded and I know it's a good thing for me and I know it's a good thing for him. So I'm a real big believer in accountability. Um, and accountability is never to a number accountability is to each other. Um, Sarah Blakely, who's the founder of Spanx, um, you know, and she literally took all of her life savings at the time, which was like 5,000 bucks and invested it into this business, which essentially took pantyhose, cut off the feet. And there are these leggings, you know, Spanx, if you know them, these leggings that sort of provide support and comfort, um, and help, uh, predominantly women, but they have, pr- uh, products for men and non-binary as well that like make people feel confident and feel better in their own skin. Uh, and she said, I, there was no way I was telling my closest family and, and the people closest to me because they would have been like, oh, honey, like, that's really nice. But like, maybe you should go back to school, you know? And so she intentionally didn't tell certain people, but she did tell others. And she still found a personal board of directors and she still found people that she knew that would embrace her wacky idea. Um, and so I think we need to be selective on who we tell our crazy ideas to, because if we tell them 
to people who don't have a growth mindset or people that if, um, yep. I mean, it's like, I now have a partnership with my wife and we have two kids. And so I can no longer make decisions on my own, or I choose not to, right. because it now impacts other human beings. Right. Um, uh, but I'm a real big believer in uh, how can we form accountabilities with people who believe in us sometimes more than we believe in ourselves? Because I do believe, yes, we are our own greatest asset, but we all have doubts and insecurities totally. and imposter syndrome. And totally. so we need to surround ourselves with people who who lift us up and make us better. So if you're finding yourself in a place where you don't really have hope in something, I don't want to make it super dramatic, but mm -hmm. what is your message to that person? And then the next question is, let's say you know, like you do have that bigger reason to live, um, but you're around a bunch of negative people yeah. or you're around you're someone that's telling you you can't do it or you're just around average people that are not going for it. And, you know, we are who we hang out with. So yeah. I know I'm throwing two questions at you, but what are those two? If, if, if person A is in a place where they're just like, they're just depressed and they don't have something like, where do you go with that? And then maybe there is somebody, and I know many people in this category, that's like, they have potential. They know that they can do it. They, they want to live more intentionally. And yet the people that they're around are like pushing them down yeah. and whether they know it or not, like they're just in the wrong group. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so two questions, maybe I'll start with the second first, which is, I mean, the reason we have cliches is because they're, they're true. <laughs> Yeah. So the cliche that we are the average of the five company that we spent the, the, we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. I don't want to say that's a, like, it's a true statement. I don't know the efficacy behind it, but like, that's true. And so, you know, I, I've had this when I remember sort of, you know, in my early to mid twenties, when I started doing leadership coaching training and I started doing a lot more leadership development work. Um, I was growing and evolving and yet the people around me weren't necessarily going on the same journey at the same time. And it was very easy for me to bring judgment or, you know, yuck other people's yums. <laughs> um, and that's not really effective. And so I think we need to focus on where are we going, have conviction in where we're going, find other people. This is the definition of community. Community is a group of people who agree to grow together. So find the people who you want to grow with and grow up yep. with. And then the, the other people, you don't need to do this dramatic, you know, 17 page letter goodbye. You can simply say, this is where I'm heading. If you want to come, you're welcome to, but I'm just want to let you know, this is where I'm going. Um, and some people may judge you and some people may want to knock you back down. Um, but just say, this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. Um, and if you want this too, I would be delighted to support you. Um, and I, and what was cool is, you know, I started doing this why and purpose stuff before it was cool. Yeah. Um, and after I did it for four five, six years, all of a sudden my own family and friends started coming to me and saying, can you help me with my why or find my purpose? To which I'd say, you know, go work with my buddy, Peter or David or whoever it might be. Uh, um, and, uh, and so it was really neat to see, you know, I was so committed and convicted to my path without forcing or dragging people to come with me and the people who, be who believe in it as well have come along. Um, and to your first question that if you're someone who's lost hope are, or, and I'm going to add to my first question. Sure, sure, sure. This is my show and I can do it. I want, <laughs> um, what if someone doesn't know their why I can't tell you how many people are like, Caleb, I don't, I don't really know 
my yeah. quote unquote why you, that could very much play into their emotions that they feel. So I wanted to, I wanted nice. to slip that in, but I don't want to interrupt. Cool, cool. No, that's good because that's kind of asked and answered, which is great. I wasn't necessarily going to go there, but now I will because it's a great answer. So if you're someone who's who's lost hope or doesn't feel hope, I think it's worth you know examining. Is it because you're on a track in which you feel is hopeless or there's inertia? Cool. Time to make a change. Right. Um, now, how can you go about making that change? Hope and each other. Um, and a way to find hope, to your point, is going on the journey to find your why and find your your values. And there's tons of things you can do. You can do a strengths finder assessment, or Jonathan Fields just came out with one called your your spark type, um, which is free and an awesome assessment as well. Um, and the fun thing about assessments is they're either cheap or free, and they yield some some value. And you don't need to spend you know hundreds or thousands of dollars on a coach or whatever. Um, but the the other thing is finding your why definitely does help and gives you direction. Um, and so, yeah, I'm a huge, huge, huge believer in, you know, our values and our beliefs, our why, uh, our strengths. These are, this is our compass and it enables us to make choices that will allow us to feel passion. Passion is an output. Yeah. Like everyone has passion. The question is, what's the input that yields you to have the output of passion? And it's different for everyone. That's good. So everyone's got passion. It's just finding yeah. the input that creates that passion for somebody. Yeah. So when, when we do, when we teach the, the find your why process, whether it's a class or a one-on-one, uh, oftentimes when it's a class and people are working in, in partners or a group of three, and we'll ask them to, to gather themes. So the way you find a why is our why is an origin story. Our why comes from our past. Um, and so to find our why, we actually tell stories, peaks and valleys of our past when things were amazing or things were really hard. And through those stories that are meaningful to us, um, our values emerge um, because we're talking about what matters to us. Either it was met or it was missing. Um, and so one of the things that I find very funny, I mean, newsflash, family is not your why. Religion is not your why. Um, wealth is not your why. Um, and even what was the one that we were going with here? Oh, passion. Passion is not your why. Like I find it very funny when someone says like, yeah, they're a very passionate person. And I go, great. What are they passionate about? Yeah. Um, and to the other ones, you know, family isn't your why only because are there people outside of your family that you wish to serve? Yeah. Um, or, you know, can you define family as, you know, not just blood? Okay. Now we're, now we're getting somewhere. Um, and similarly, you know, um, I'm a fan of faith. Like I'm good with faith. However, if you put Muhammad or Jesus or Moses or any of these iconic figures or God in your why, if someone believes something different than you and you still want to serve them and you can still right. live your why serving them, like, by all means, put that as part of your identity and who you are and what you believe. Right. Um, but you can actually do something more universal to to serve more than people who simply believe in the same religion yeah. as you. I'm going to push back in the learning process. So when you say that, like faith and family, I'm thinking, man, we might be doing this whole thing wrong <laughs> because a lot of people that come to us when they they talk um, about their, why they do what they do. They mm -hmm. work, they get up, they, they, you know, give their blood, sweat and tears for 
their family, and we can use a more liberal term for family. It's the people that are closest to them. Um, one of my, uh, and like I'll, I'll end the podcast with a question I ask everybody, and a lot of times uh, it's it's called legacy question, and a lot of times people will talk about their family, and then majority of people will talk about their greater reason to being on earth, which a lot of a lot of the case is their faith. So you said that can be part of your belief system. So how yeah. would it because because that would be that I can I can very much tell that there's going to be some people that go okay like I'm glad Caleb's asking this question because like I want to maybe a a follow up. So if someone is telling you I'm on this earth to give God glory mm-hmm. and that's why I serve people, that's why I speak, that's why I write, that's why I yeah. start in business. What would you say to them? What questions would you ask them? I mean, so so that's okay only if it is inclusive i would okay. offer yeah that's fair. because if 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 all of a sudden it's like oh well you don't believe in the god that i believe in i'm not going to help you that would be exclusive and i actually right. that that would be destructive as opposed to yeah. generative i agree um uh uh i did a why discovery once with someone and her why was around to serve and support those who are believers in jesus christ so that reach their full potential or whatever it might be cool and I went, um, amazing. Like, I know that you so believe and are convicted to, to that. I have a question for you, though. I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. Like, I'm right. from a different religion. Like, all the power to you. But the, I, I, don't, I don't fall under that. Right. Do you, like, if you could help me, would you still help me? And she said, of course, yes. Yeah. And so I said, I'm going to invite that you can actually take that out. It's still a part yeah. of who you are. But it, but it, it actually excludes people. Yeah. And so that, that's all I, all I would say. I um, love that, and I think that needs to be echoed um, because there are there are people that hold strongly their beliefs, and and what I the challenge I would have for them is a lot of times they're forfeiting what they are holding on to because of mm-hmm. how they live, how they show up, how they communicate, and very much appreciate you articulating that. Is there anything else on? on that subject before I would love to speak about your future book project. If you want to sure. go there yeah, um, yeah, and anything else that, you, that is present to you at this time. So I'll say a couple of things. I mean, one, some of my favorite people are, are, are have great faith um, and are devout followers of a faith or their religion. And I think there's a common denominator in all religions, which is to serve and to leave the people around us better. Um, the other thing, which I think is really interesting, James Kars, who wrote the book Finite and Infinite Games, which um, helped Simon write the infinite game and taking an infinite mindset and applying it to life, business, career, religion, education, healthcare, geopolitics, all the things. He wrote a book called um, The Religious Argument Against Belief. Mm. And he defined belief as the point, uh, as the point in which your thinking stops which I think is really interesting. And I, you know, how many people do you know who believe in something or who follow a tradition simply because that's what is around me. And I think it, and I think it's part of religion to have healthy criticism and to look at it and to find meaning, you know, why do this thing? Why treat people this way? Why practice this, this ritual or celebrate this holiday or read this passage or whatever it might be. Um, And so I'm a really big believer you know, I, I've asked friends who are religious, like, why, why do you do that? And, and you go, well, that's just what we do. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's got to be more of an yeah. answer. Like, come on. It's, um, yeah. And so I, I think it's really healthy for 
all of us yes to you know with a very scientific approach to challenge our our beliefs totally um and to and to be curious about and embrace the beliefs of others as well i mean i take great pride in the diverse group of friends that i have i have yeah. friends who have who look different than me, who are different religions than I practice, um, uh, who uh, who have different political views, but I love them as human beings because totally. we share more values than we don't. Yes. Um, I'm a big believer in psychographics as opposed to anything else. Yeah. Um, like I don't believe in demographics. I believe in psychographics. I want to work with people who share similar values as yes. me. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, it's just one of my favorite things to do is you know, find people who that, that that I love for the people that they are, even if they hold very different views than me, and then have the ability to have conversations so that we can we can understand each other better, which means we can understand humanity better, which means we may actually be able to make more progress than we are making now, which we need to do. I can I can tell you this right now. This this won't be the last time you you get invited on. Um, so <laughs> cool. hopefully this has been fun for you. I you, yeah. You've, you've had you've opened up so many open doors. I'm gonna like mentally shut because this would be like a ten hour interview. Um, it, I will say <laughs> marathon, this one thing. Marathon. Yeah. Going on just just faith, religion. Um, I, I can't tell you how many people have strong held beliefs about their money, about their life, about work, about family, and it's they. They don't really know why they have that belief. It's just that's how it's always been done. Yeah. And that's like a trigger word for me. I, I I literally will get triggered if someone says, well, that's just how it's always been done. I'm like, oh, like, you know, and so that's one of the I mean, that's one of the reasons why I have the show and we we do workshops and, you know, we speak as, as I want people to start thinking differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but taking the the principles that we might both be talking about, like we can talk about compound interest. But like I might take the the principle of compounding and and share this, whereas some people are just saying compound interest equals buying this mutual fund, and it's like okay, so it's it's one of those things where I, I th- there's a lot of half truths and there's a lot of people that the the art of actually knowing thyself and critically thinking about other areas in your life that's that's the win. I don't care what yeah. you do at the end of the day, but if you're critically thinking about certain areas that you hold sacred in your life, mm-hmm. I think I think you're going to be a way more empathetic and uh, better communicator and better leader overall. Nice. And two, two things on that before we move on here is, um, and this is true. So you can lead a horse to water. You cannot force them to drink. You can drown them in the, in the trough. Um, And that's true of anyone. You know, if, if you have knowledge or you see something different for someone that they can't yet see or embrace, no amount of leading them to water is going to force them to, to, to drink you know, the, the, the lesson arrives when the student is ready. Um, and this is the same of finding one's why as well, or trying to understand one's definition of wealth and then pursue it. You can only do those things once you accept and you're ready. Um, and then the, the other is, you know, for you or anyone else who, who bumps across people who have a fixed mindset or who are seeing something or are stuck seeing something in a way that you know could be liberating if they saw it differently. Um, the greatest avenue to help them shift is through questions and staying curious uh, and not judgment. It's like, well, like, tell me more about that. And like, what about that is serving you or not um, uh, to invite and nudge people along as opposed to saying, you know, that's wrong 
or, you know, you know, you could do so much more. Like no one likes to be judged. Yeah. People like to be supported and, and, and cared for. I'm going to have you back on to talk about your future book when, when, when it's more relevant. Um, is there any other concepts that you might be writing about, that you might be speaking about, that might be present to you right now that you want to talk about before we land the plane? It's, it's crazy how fast time flies when you're having fun. Um, cool. But any, anything else that's, that's uh, present to you right now? Well, I mean, it, there was a nice segue previously. I forget what it was, but um, I mean, so I can tell really quickly what I'm writing about, which is speak up cultures. So um, I am a big, big believer in uh, the responsibility of leadership is to create environments in which people feel safe. And when people feel safe, they willingly raise their hand and share their ideas, whether they're good or not, um, their concerns which is really important for leaders to hear, especially for people who are closer to the problems, um, and even dissent. Um, and I've learned that it's the responsibility and opportunity of leaders to both encourage voice, uh, the voice of their, of their teams, and then when people do express and speak up, for leaders to reward people for that behavior. Um, as soon as you ignore or punish people for speaking up, speaking of Andy Stanley, you'll bring to, to life one of my favorite quotes, which is, um, leaders who do not listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say, which is the kiss of death inside of any organization. I mean, we know for a fact that I'm, I'm writing the opening of the book right now, and I'm writing it like a scene of a, of, of a movie, and it's going to open with plane parts floating in the ocean of a Boeing 737 MAX 8 plane that went down. Two of them did. 346 people died, and that was a speak-up culture issue. There were people inside of Boeing who were previous military who said, I've seen military operations shut down for less. And the response was, uh, well, this isn't the military. This is for profit. We have real financial and time pressure here. It's like, are you kidding me? Um, and so there are people who were raising red flags and saying, this is not good. And I no longer feel safe putting my family on a Boeing airplane. Like we've, we've got to change this. Um, and financial and time pressure force force or had them um, do things that were awful and disastrous. So that's what I'm writing about right now. And even if you're in a line of work where you're like, well, I don't work at an, at an airplane manufacturer. Well, here's the thing. We know from Gallup that our relationship with our direct boss is more of an impact on our health than that of our relationship with our family doctor. So if you're in a role of leadership, you actually um, can make people's health better or worse. So the stakes are high. Yeah, no, I, I, man, there's so many questions I have um, <laughs> from leadership to what, what, what do you do if you find yourself in a toxic environment? Maybe not mm -hmm. even the word toxic, an environment that doesn't encourage speak up. But then also my mindset goes to parenting. What, what happens when I just see this all the time where parents are, whether they know it or not, their, their house is not like you don't, you just don't. That, that it's a lack of speak up. Um, mm. And I'm sure you're probably going to write about all three of those in your book. Yeah. And I'm especially going to, I mean, it's going to be a philosophy book disguised as a business book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I haven't thought about the parenting stuff, but now I will. Um, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. We, I mean, and, and when families have values, yeah, you now have a, have, something more important than any one individual. So, you know, the most important value in our home is that we are helper people, um, you know, and that's just, 
that's how my wife and I are leading this household. And we're proud of the, of the children that we're raising because they're kind helper people. It's cool, man. It's cool. Um, the legacy question that I end the show with uh, goes like this, and I'm very curious to hear your answer to this. The buildup, the buildup. The buildup. Uh, yeah. The bar is set, man. You, you set the bar very high in this Uh-oh. conversation. Uh, cool. And, and the, convers- the question goes like this. If this is your last day on earth and you're with the people that you love the most, you can't give them a book, you can't give them any of your future work other than a conversation, what are you going to make sure to highlight in that last conversation? Uh, take care of the people around you. That's all we, that's all we got. Um, and it's a reminder I need to tell myself as well that no, no email, no LinkedIn posts, no anything is more important than the human beings around you. Um, you know, talk about living a life with, with no regret. There's an amazing Ted talk from a, it's an, it's a, it's a New York paramedic who his training was always, you know, when you pick someone up, who's definitely gonna, gonna pass away. Um, the, the training is just tell them to keep going and that there's still a chance. And one day I think he arrived at a motorcycle accident and he just saw the state of the person. He just knew, like, he just knew, like he knew, like, like he knew. And the person asked, am I going to die? And he looked him in the eye and he said, yes, I think so. And the like calm and the breath that, that came over this person. Um, and, and he, he just started doing this that whenever he would see someone that he knew that they were going to pass, he would just tell them that it's okay. And it's okay to let go. And they would always talk about their children. They would always talk about the people closest to them, you know? And so, yeah, you know, I think, I think that's what we need to do is take care of the people around us that we care about most. Oh. That's it. How, how can the better wealth nation people watching this on YouTube, how can we get connected with what you're doing, the work that you're up to in the world? I'm, I really appreciate, again, you taking time to be on the show and uh, talking about things that matter and articulating them so powerfully. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So for the time being, I'm pretty sure I'm the only Stephen Shalevsky there is in the world. Uh, so all you many handfuls of Shalevskys out there, please don't name your child Stephen. Um, uh, if you Google me, you'll, you'll find me in all the places I'm most active on LinkedIn and you and I will be doing, um, a LinkedIn live conversation, uh, hopefully, uh, just as this podcast is coming out. So people can tune in and hang out with us more there. And, uh, in the famous words of Terminator, I'll be back. It's always a power move. And you're just like, there's this website called google.com. Just type my name in. <laughs> well, fortunately, my name isn't like Michael Smith or something. Right. I have uh, the, it's, the... It's unique. My last name being Williams. I don't... I don't uh, if I type my name in, let's see what comes up. I think <laughs> I think I might own the Caleb Williams name. Yeah. There you go. Uh, hey, man. Thank you again. Uh, I look forward to doing LinkedIn with you. I look forward to having this uh, be released. And I look forward to future conversations. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And, and I myself want to be more intentional, allowing... Um, my my future family, this company, and environments that I am that we do have a speak up culture, and I and I know that my tendency, if I'm being totally frank, is um, I can be intimidating, and I can um, not I can push down speak up culture in a way that I don't even know I am. But I I know as you speak, I'm like taking mental note and writing some things down because I want to be a more intentional leader, and so I I thank you for people like that that um, 
have convicting messages that speak so well. So, um, man, look forward to for our future conversations and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Sounds good. Thank you more soon. And I hope this conversation was helpful for your listeners. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.